I'm a member of the Red Sox Nation. It's a kind of a family. Wherever I roam, a Fenway home, that's where I long to be. I'm a member of the Red Sox Nation. It's a kind of insanity. Yeah, I live and die with Red Sox pride for eternity. I fake a smile November until opening day. Suffering baseball with draw around the clock. When April comes, hey, meet me down on Yawkey Way. That's when Red Sox Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Benny and the Bats podcast covering Boston Red Sox baseball. For everyone staying up late tonight on Periscope, the podcast, as always, can be found on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and literally everywhere. You can also uh, click the iTunes link just above the Periscope window, subscribe from there, and if you happen to go there and you want to leave a five-star review and uh, you know say some words, that would be awesome as well. It helps us out immensely. Red Sox just wrapped up a three-game set against the Houston Astros. Uh, losing the series two games to one. Uh, their one win did come today to salvage the sweep. I am Terry Cushman and am joined, as always, by Jeremy Schilling and Stephanie Allen. How are you guys? Doing well. Welcome back. Thank you. Uh, good, to, good to be back, too. Uh, you know, I don't know how homesick you get when you're on vacation, but you know, ten days is a lot for me. Yeah, I'm okay. And Jeremy's okay, so we're good. We're good. Uh, so I guess I'll just dive into the recap here. This uh, for the audience. This will be the last time we do the recap in this format. We will be doing a new type of series preview, which in turn will uh, change how we review the series in all podcasts going forward. So one final time, here we go. Three games set against the Houston Astros. Rick Porcello got the start on Friday against the MLB strikeout leader, uh, Garrett Cole. Porcello was the stud uh, basically throughout the game, pitching uh, seven innings of no-run ball. Red Sox were on the board 1-0 thanks to Christian Vasquez driving in Xander Bogarts. And for whatever reason, uh, Alex Cora left Porcello out in the eighth inning to face Marisnik, Springer, and Bregman. Sounds like a Matt Barnes situation, but uh, nonetheless, Porcello uh, went out for the eighth and allowed Marisnik to get on. Springer hit the two-run shot, and then another run was added on. Um, Astros win that one, three to one. Saturday, essentially a bloodbath. Hector Velazquez, who had been fairly solid coming into the series, uh, gave up a five spot in the first inning between him and Colton Brewer. 
Mookie Betts, Jackie Bradley, Christian Vasquez all had rare defensive lapses in that first innings. Astros went on to score two more runs. Uh, Moreland and Vasquez each drove in a run, but the final score, 7-3 Astros. And then today, Chris Sale versus Wade Miley. Uh, Depends on how you want to look at this. If you're a glass half-empty guy, Sale's command kind of sucked. You know, he was paired with Vasquez since Leon is out on paternity leave. But if you're a glass half-full type of person, they're nearly as bad as his last few starts against the Astros, two of which were playoff games, which ended up being bloodbaths. Sale went uh, five and one-third, gave up four hits on three earned runs, struck out 10, tied a career high with walks. Uh, Michael Chavis hit a solo. Uh, Mookie was driven in twice by Xander Bogarts, one of them on an error. Yuli Gurriel had a tough day defensively with the Sun and uh, dropped a couple of balls, but Red Sox take this one four to three. So, uh, you know, we're basically into the tough part of the month, like I had been saying before I left, you know, and lucky to split with the Astros one to one. And although we should have probably won two out of three in this one, uh, you know, we dropped, you know, this series as well. So, uh, let's just go ahead and, uh, get into heroes and zeros. Stephanie, who's your hero? My hero is Michael Chavis. Um, He's killing it. You know, they moved him into the leadoff spot today. He hit uh, a home run. He's he's just firing on all cylinders. Um, I saw a tweet out there somewhere that talked about he's everything that you want in the future of baseball players, and I couldn't agree more. So that's my hero. Who you got, Jeremy? Uh, Porcello. uh, Terry alluded to it in the recap. Um, I thought he was awesome in this game. I thought he was exactly what the Red Sox needed, and I thought he was setting the tone for the series with the way the Astros were playing, you know, eventually winning 10 in a row before they got beat today. So I thought he was awesome. Um, <clears throat> my zero last time was Erod and Cora. Um, I know you're going to get into it a little bit, um, so I'll save the back end of my comments uh, for the zero segment. But Porcello was um, awesome. He was, and he was paired up against Vasquez. I was thinking, man, this isn't going to be good, and um, very impressive all the way through. So he he seems to have probably found a groove, and, um, you know, we are getting David Price back, and Sale still pitching very well. So, um, you know, if Porcello is, is on like he has been, then... We're looking a lot better going forward. And excellent uh, choice, Stephanie. Uh, Chavis just continues to be an absolute beast. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Any final thoughts before I uh, get into uh, Bogarts? No, let's hear about Bogey. All right. Well, you know, the one kind of bright spot today, you know, was swinging a good bat. And, uh, you know, there was one error, so we were kind of lucky to score there. But Bogarts just has consistently, you know, been very solid all year long. Mookie, not quite the MVP guy, you know. And then you got JD, who's just the most consistent player in, in Major League Baseball, period. 
but you know just I, I can't say this more I'm, I'm just I'm just loving this Bogarts contract it's affordable it's not a stupid contract and I just also after the game I, I also want to point out that he praised Wade Miley who also pitched fairly well today and you know pointed out the fact that you know he was a great teammate and I just think that it just makes me like Bogarts all that much more you know he's a classy guy and and I don't know I don't want to compare him to a legendary Yankees player who might have played the same position you know who always carried himself with class but I'm glad we have our own version of that in, in Xander Bogarts yeah, I think Bogey might be leading in um, in shout-outs. I think he's uh, been on our list quite a few times. He's all around a great player and a great guy. Love him. Absolutely. Um, but I'll tell you who I didn't love this go-around. All right. My, this must be your zero. My Yeah, this is my zero, my call-out, whatever we're calling it tonight. But um, mine is uh, Cora. And it's specifically core because I feel like he should not have sent Porcello back out in the eighth. Kind of like um, we touched on it last week, the, uh, the E-Rod situation. It's the same thing here. And, you know, once again, he, he admitted it, but that doesn't help us in the situation. Uh, you got to stop making those kind of de- decisions to send a pitcher back out when they've done a really good job up until then. And you're setting them up for failure. Porcello did everything he could in that game. He he played a great game and then pitched a great game and then to send him back in, out in the eighth just wasn't wasn't great. And then even Sale today, uh, questionable if we should have left him in to, to face the batters they did. So that's that's my zero. Shouldn't have let him face face Reddick today. I mean, Reddick had been on base twice, and you know, here he comes to the plate with two runners on. You know, the you know that was a terrible decision today to to let Sale face him. But um, Jeremy, would you like to weigh in? Yeah. So last last uh, was it Wednesday? Uh, my zero was Erod and Cora, and I gave. What seemed like equal parts um, zeros to Cora and Erod for a lot. Like basically, it was such a bad take. I went back and listened to it, and my my take, my, I like doubled up and I was like Cora, you know. But then Erod asked into a game he knew he was done in, and I, I I specifically went back and listened to that segment again. I was so wrong. It was so stupid. I'm a little bit embarrassed by the take. How could you not expect a professional athlete to want to stay in the game? It's the manager's job to rein in that sort of uh, positive egotism. Uh, so so doubling back this week, and one of the things, I was going to say something uh, in my hero segment, but I want I didn't want to jump on your toes, Steph. So um, it, it, Porcello wanting back in the game, by the way, even after the disaster, he still finished with 96 pitches, so his pitch count wasn't out of control. Um, but that's what you want to see. And I think you want to see it in Erod, and I think you want to see it in Porcello. And Cora has botched and and pot and potentially lost two games uh, in the last week as a result of just trying to get one more inning out of the starter who's already done their job. Uh, with with Erod, his pitch count was up. He, he didn't. He was done. He did not. The pitch count was over. I, I still don't understand what he's doing with Erod. 
Porcello, I can understand a little bit just because I think he was just under 90 pitches going into that inning, but it's the Astros, not the Rockies. So it, you have to, every situation calls for, you know, who are we at? And, 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 you know, he faced 28 batters in that game, so he faced the lineup three times. His job was done. So I, 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 don't, I totally agree with you. Um, and, you know, I just wanted to double back on how bad my take was last week. You know, Cora has been under scrutiny a lot, you know, over social media, through the press a little bit, and he did come out right away in the last press conference and completely owned that 100%. He said it didn't make any sense for Porcello to go out, He, you know, and he kind of hung him out to dry, and it's just, it's different this year because he's not... He's not quite as sharp as he has been. And one of the sayings, especially last October, was everything he does, you know, everything he touches turns to gold. It's like he can't make a wrong decision. And there were certain things last October where I was like, why is he starting Kinsler in this situation? Why why isn't Leon catching Porcello? Why isn't this happening? And, you know, one scenario... By scenario, he was he made exactly the right moves, and he's not done that this year. And all we heard about last year was load management and not being selfish. And I don't, I don't get. I know Porcello's a horse and has never really had injury issues, but there was there there was no reason to send him out there against Marisnik, Springer, and Bregman. That is a Matt Barnes situation. That is what Matt Barnes does. He comes in and faces the highest leverage part of the order. And (laughs) there was just no reason to send him back out. And he did. And it cost us the game. And another core decision that still stings to me, go back to the Yankees series. He brought Brazier out. And we're going to get into Brazier here in a little bit. But he brought him out with runners on when everything from last year, all the data says not to do it. And he did it anyway. So, you know, we need to we need him to get back to that high baseball IQ that everybody praised him for. You know, because we're you know, we're well we're two games above 500, but we're in third place and this year's going to be a grind. There's going to be other obstacles, you know, as far as injuries, slumps, what have you. And we need the decision making to be better, and especially in the last few innings. So, that's my rant on Stephanie's excellent choice for um, <laughs> for a zero. What do you have, Jeremy? I have Velasquez. Um, he stunk out loud, it's, and I praised him a, a bunch. Um, really. All year, um, he sucked. He didn't give you a chance to win. You know, a third of an inning, three hits, five runs, five earned, two walks, which is something he typically doesn't do. And you know, you just after the disappointment of game one, you know, you come out in the top of the first, and you just don't have a chance to win, and it just sucks the life out of a ball club. Um, and uh. You know, I, I really, that, that's all I guess I could say about that. He really was just terrible. Uh, the bullpen actually 
only gave up two earned runs, actually two runs total the rest of the game. So they actually did eight and two-thirds of really impressive work between Brewer, Weber, Thornburg, and Smith. Um, you know, and then it just begs the question, if Price is healthy and going to pitch in the next series, why wasn't he pitching in this game? Um, but it is what it is. Uh, so my zero is Velasquez. Yeah, I think we headed. We were heading into the series uh, when we recorded last, thinking Price was going to pitch, and so I was shocked not to see him in this series at all, and to see that he's, you know, not coming to this week. That's an excellent point, and I was kind of surprised that you know, because there was talk of this weekend. That's what the the talk was, uh, you know, earlier in the week, and then come to find out, no, he's going to wait till Toronto, and then I'm thinking, well. You know, as Eckersley would say, you know, the the Astros eat Chris Sale's lunch. And so I'm like, why would we put Sale in that situation, especially where he's had issues with with high stress innings? And, you know, but he did and it shook out that way. Price does have some uh, impressive stats, which we'll get into um, in the um, preview uh, I also just want to say this, though. You know, I, I don't blame you for having, you know, Velasquez as the zero. He he was, in fact, terrible. But, I mean, this is just the shitty situation that we're in. And, he, you know, he's going to have starts like that. And it just so happened it, it was against probably the best team in the league right now. And I think they'd won 10 in a row coming into today before we had... Uh, ended that streak, and when you have Price out and and Avoldi, it just you know that's just that's just our tough luck having to put him in that situation. Maybe Ryan Weber would it might have been a, another alternative, but um, I'm definitely looking. It was it was his fifth start in a row. He he had built up to like seventy something pitches last start, so I don't understand how. Uh, I mean, I just disagree. I, I think he had been built up for that. He was clearly our fifth starter. And um, your depth is only so good as its performance. And he is obviously a depth guy. He's he, If he's still our fifth starter in September, we're probably fucked. <laughs> but, but I mean, he, he, he just threw 70-something pitches uh, last start and got a win after five innings pitch. So he had been um, spread out enough to give you something. This wasn't like it was six weeks ago when he jumped in. You know, he threw a, a, a single inning like on a Wednesday and then started Friday. That's a shitty situation, and he did well in it. This is one of those situations where I, you know, I just thought he sucked. Yeah, no, and I'm not disagreeing that it was it was vastly, drastically different than those other starts. I've already agreed with that, but I guess I guess where we're not on the same page here is I don't think he's a starting pitcher. He's a spot starter at best who happens to be the number four or five starter, depending on how you look at it. And I just, I don't think he's a starting pitcher. And you, you put him in a, a spot like this against a great team, it's, I, I wasn't shocked, uh, you know. So that's what I'm saying. <laughs> All right, Terrence, okay. who's your zero? My zero is Sandy fucking Leone, okay? That guy better not Liz have... Liz isn't going to like that. That This guy better not have any more fucking kids until he retires. Because <laughs> he needs to be catching Chris Sale every fifth day. Unless he's on the DL. 
I mean, I so I guess what I'm saying here is if he wants to plan his kids for August or September, that's probably fine. But um, I don't know. So that's my my half-ass sarcastic call out. But Porcello didn't miss him. He pitched well with uh, Vasquez. And uh, yeah, and I guess while we're on it, and we can call this the general segment. Oh wait, did we? Did I, we skip over Jeremy? No. No. Oh my bad, because I I still have Vasquez written down. My bad, I didn't change it. Um, you know, defensively in this series in Game Two, Bradley. I it's hard to hold this against a player, but Bradley botched a, a catch up against the wall that he probably would catch. I don't know if an average center fielder catches it, but you know it bounced off the wall and it was part of that five run inning. And then Mookie took a bad route to a, a fly ball in the warning track that went off the wall. Uh, and then Vasquez uh, didn't come up with a throw from Bradley which ended up being on line, would have been an out. You know, the runner would have been out by a few feet. So, you know, defensive lapses in this series. And it's just weird how sometimes there's a snowball effect. I mean, what are the chances three elite guys were going were gonna to have issues like that, you know, in a, in a short span? And I guess we'd, I, I'd rather we go down like that than somebody have a game game losing error each game i guess if you're going to get get it over with i just feel like you know if you're going to show up you know i mean this was the ultimate temperature gauge against a team that we might see and look at this astros team they don't fuck around the last three years in a row they're completely destroying the al west and uh, I just I wish we were I I wish we were that solid basically, and you know we're having our issues. That's the smartest front office in Major League Baseball, and they they always bring it. I don't know what happened to them in the ALCS, but um, uh, it's just you know we, we could have been a little bit better, you know, in, in Game Two certainly and. And the manager could have made better decisions in game one, as we were saying. <laughs> you guys you awake hit pretty or good what? there, Terry. What's that? I said I think you got it pretty good there. Okay. You guys feeling all right? I mean, I feel like we're flat tonight. Yeah, no, I'm fine. Okay. I'm I'm good. All right. So, uh, what's on your mind about the series? Yeah, I mean, look, you I thought like I said, I thought you said it pretty well. It's this was a good test team that, you know, was clearly the best team in baseball. They have the best one of the best records in baseball. They have one of the most talented teams in baseball. They have an elite manager. Um, you know, a lot of things I said on Wednesday night, um, and a lot of it came to fruition. And for whatever reason, Cora doesn't have the temperature of the key situations like he did last year. You know, every, every decision he made last year seemed to be the right one, whether 
you pull the guy too early and you're like, well, that seems odd, but then the bullpen delivers or keeps the guy in one inning longer and everyone's yelling at the TV, but the guy goes out and gets a one, two, three. All those situations are flipped on their head this year. Is uh, it, obviously, is obviously. It, uh, beginner's luck and it's over now? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> like a magical so. rookie season and it's all gone now? <laughs> when you're historically good, those things just happen. Like, you know, it's just one of those things where um, all the all the positives happen. I mean, that has to happen that way for a team to win 108 games and then basically right. sweep the playoffs. I mean, you know, and look, the Astros are motivated. And, and what's impressive about them, um, and it's a lot like the Patriots, after they won the World Series, they started a little bit slow in 2018, but it wasn't like I don't recall it was as bad as the Red Sox have been. But then they, they you know, they 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 were good all year. They got to the ALCS um, and were and were favorites in that series uh, a, a year after winning the World Series. So they're just and now they're motivated because they didn't win it. Yeah, you know, and so they're hungry and they wanted this. And that was one thing I talked about on Wednesday night. This this team wants to beat the Red Sox. The Red Sox won the World Series. They don't. They're, they're not thinking about the ALCS anymore. Um, so it's really impressive. And honestly, the Dodgers and Astros right now are the benchmark uh, Major League Baseball franchises as a result because they, they don't suffer the championship run uh, run hangover. The Dodgers are good again. They've overhauled that roster. Uh, they're significantly different, uh, but yet they're still winning games. Uh, I don't think their manager is nearly as good as Hinch and Core, though. I think Dave Roberts is a bit overrated and more of like listening to what the management tells him to do. But um, you know, I mean, it's impressive. The the Astros are impressive. I'm I'm impressed by them. I like their players. I think they're very likable generally. Uh, they don't have, in my mind, the Dustin Pedroia on the roster. Uh, you know, th- like back in the when we were winning. Um, 10 years ago, I mentioned this last podcast, uh, like Euclid. Like, I always didn't like Euclid, but the Astros have a likable roster. They're good. They play good. They've won 10 in a row. And I, I thought we were very fortunate with the way the game was managed in game one. And then Velasquez didn't give you a chance in game two to win tonight, especially when Sale wasn't great. Um, so, I mean, you know, like I said, just re- basically re- reiterating what Terry said. And uh, I'm looking. Um, to get into and beat up on some softer opponents because that is certainly not the Astros. Yeah, and we're going to see them again real soon, right? We are next weekend, and uh, Sale will get a start in that series. I'm fairly certain David Price also will, where he's uh, starting tomorrow. Um, So we might be set up pretty well for that series, but it will be in Houston, which kind of makes this one a little more painful to have... Uh, dropped. I it. would like to. I would like to hit on that price thing you just mentioned. Um, price is. I. I don't understand if he's healthy. Why he didn't pitch in this series? It, it just makes no sense to me. And yeah. I understand you want to give guys soft landings, like especially coming off an injury, especially when your pitch count isn't enough. Like he's probably only got sixty-five pitches or whatever tomorrow. He's not going to be. You're not going to get seven out of price. You're, you're, you're. They're hoping for five, um, you know. And then after Velasquez didn't give you any, a chance on Saturday, the bullpen's a little bit taxed. Um, so I mean, it's one of those things. With Sale didn't go deep today. Uh, now Price goes tomorrow. He's probably a four, four and two thirds, maybe five inning guy. 
And now this thing's going to start to snowball, and there's a tremendous amount of stress on the bullpen. Now, notwithstanding all that, if you're healthy, why didn't you pitch against the Astros? It just seems so soft, and I understand what they're doing. They're trying to protect the player and blah, blah, blah. But he dominates the Astros, and we can't do soft landings like we did last year because this team is struggling, and we're not in it right now. We need to get in it. We need to get on a run like the Astros just finished, which was 10 in a row. Now, I'm not saying it's going to take 10 in a row, but if Price isn't pitching against the best competition, then you're not going to win 8 of 10, which is what we need to get back in this thing. So it just pisses me off, and I'm, I'm taking a soft approach because I really just don't have the fervor for, for eviscerating <laughs> and ethering that coward. But, uh, well, there it goes. It just changed. Um, he's just such a gut sack of shit, and he should have started in the series. Right, but you can't blame him. You just said that you took it back off of Erod. You don't know if Price wanted to start or not. Maybe he wanted to start, but Cora won't let him. Cora's doing this soft landing thing, like you said. This is a little bit different. Well, first, <laughs> point well taken. Point well taken. Okay, but there's a significant difference between an Erod's position, 108 pitches going in out for the seventh, for, or. Um, Porcello. Porcello tonight at, at whatever it was, 89, uh, against a really good team. Those guys had done their job. To do your job, like, by definition, step one is show up to said job. Price didn't, he, he didn't do that. He just, you know. Right, but how do you know he do, he's not asking Cora, like, hey, I want to start in Houston. And Cora's like, hey, no, you're going to wait till Toronto. You're David Price, you make $210 million. <laughs> Go say it in the media, and it'll happen. Yeah, he does like to talk to the media, so that's true. I mean, go say it. Go say it. Go, say it. I, I, go tell somebody that. <laughs> Look, I'm pitching Saturday. Uh, Cora hasn't announced a, a starter yet. How could you be so serious? I'm, I'm starting Saturday. It's on national <laughs> TV. It's against the guys that we need to beat to get where we want to be. I'm starting Saturday. He didn't do, he didn't do that. Right. Well, he also probably was, you know, deep into a game of Fortnite in the clubhouse and didn't want to come out, but... <laughs> Look, I, I don't, and I don't know the circumstances. And fine, that's a decent right. point. We we don't know what was said behind closed doors. And David Price could have literally been screaming at Alex Cora. Usually, when he screams at people, it's by surprise in the aisle of an airplane. So I just don't see it happening. Here. <laughs> um, so just some numbers. I'm, I'm not saying this is why. I'm not saying I agree with you know starting Price against Toronto versus uh, you know doing it today in you know against Houston. But he is 8-0 at the Rogers Center and 21-3. and uh, I don't know what that, I don't know if that's career or just over a certain time frame against the, the Blue Jays. But he has utterly dominated this team. And um, maybe it's the soft landing thing, like you're saying, Jeremy. Uh, maybe they're not 100% confident that the tendonitis in his elbow has been you know resolved i mean it'd be stupid to to send him out there with with the investment they have in him because much like i said about porcello we need a healthy david price going forward but but maybe maybe they just love the numbers and they were just willing to kind of gamble with chris sale where he's finally on an extremely dominant stretch and and put him in there today uh, against against the Astros. So, 
Um, Chris Sale may be on a dominant stretch, but they also put him in there without his precious Sandy Leone. So they did. That's absolutely right. I'm not, and again, I'm not saying I agree with that. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to speculate as to what their uh, logic may have been. But uh, I fully expected Price to start today, based on what was being said, um, you know, in press conferences early in the week, but. Um, but it's worked out. It's worked out. I mean, Chris Sale, you know, they won today, and and now, you know, we're probably better off tomorrow, you know, whether it should have worked out or not. But I'd like to talk some bullpen here if you guys are ready to move on. Yeah, absolutely. All right. I think it's interesting that Cora seems to have not a ton of confidence in Brazier, um, Workman also has had some blips recently. Um, Walden has continued to be very impressive. Uh, usually, you know, in sixth, seventh inning, high leverage parts of the lineup, he seems to be in there facing them before uh, the latter three I just mentioned um, come in. And I just, you know... I, how do you guys feel about Brazier, I guess? Because if he's not going to be a late-inning guy, the pieces don't really fit at the moment. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I, he should be our closer, in my opinion. But he's not. He's not anywhere near it. And, and not only is he not the closer now, he's not even pitching in like medium-leverage situations. Um. I really don't know what the hell's going on with him. Um, one of the things I praised him and thought he was was a guy with a, a like a neutral disposition, uh, not too high, you know, in the big low moments, but still show up in like a non-save situation. Compared him to Kimbrel's woes against you know his appearances in save situations versus non-save situations. It seems like I'm a dumbass because everything I've said has been just. It feels stupid at this point, and um, there's this isn't like not theoretical. Like Cora has no faith in this guy, none. Pitching guys like Weber and Smith, and you know it's not even close. And they've got to get some spots for him, you know, six to one in the ninth to come in and start building some, you know, positive uh, just just results um, in. Because you can't, you, a guy that's pitching this way can't do it in a safe situation. So you got to find spots, um, and then when they arise, get him in the game and and hope that he starts to flip this thing around. Because this bullpen's not great talent wise, and Brazier has to be really good or great if you think you have a chance to get where you were last year. Stephanie, yeah, I think he's been a disappointment. I think. Uh... I think Jeremy's point is well spoken. I think he needs to start getting built back up, uh, confidence-wise, be put in six, uh, um, situations where he can be successful and get little successes under his belt. I think after, um, I don't remember what game it was, but he completely fucking blew it. And then he didn't play for multiple games, and we should have got him in at some point and started building back up his confidence. We let him sit too long. He's 
four out of the last six games, it just seemed like once the clock turned May, uh, there you know started to be issues. I don't hold the Yankees thing against him. You know, I said earlier, you know, it's still painful, but that was a core thing, in my opinion. But once the the month turned May, he had that uh, blown save or whatever uh, against Chicago, where he gave up three runs, and then uh, in his next start, uh, which happened to be five days later, two earned runs against Baltimore, uh, only pitched two-thirds of an inning. He then uh, looked pretty good in his next appearance, which happened to be against Baltimore again, as well as Seattle, and then, of course, he got the loss in the Colorado game where he uh, gave up a hit uh, and walked to he also walked two in the uh, Friday night game, you know, but that kind of was turned on its head anyway by Porcello uh, earlier in the inning. But I'm just wondering who this guy is because all all offseason long, I, I wasn't really a pessimist about him, but I, I was skeptical because I'm like the, the sample size is too small. And, you know, he only pitched a couple of months. His ERA, 160, looked good. Uh, you know, he had trouble with inherited runners, as I keep pointing out. But but there was risk in anointing him as a bona fide late-inning reliever. And I just, I'm just wondering who he is at this point. Is this just a rough patch and then he's going to kind of return to that? Is he going to be a Heath Hembry guy where he's he's okay for one or two out of every three? Like, I just, I don't know. I think we'll find a way to make him serviceable, but it might not be in the role many of us expected coming into the season. Yeah, I mean, coming into the season, the question was, was it him or Barnes that was going to be our closer? You know, who was going to be the closer? And everyone assumed it was him or Barnes. And I think that's proven not to even be an option. Yeah, they haven't said it, but it's it's closer by committee. I mean, yeah. no one has a defined role. I talked about that Wednesday night. I, I, right. I, I said things like you want to get to the to the ballpark and know that if it's a, if it's a two or three run game and it's a hold situation, you want to start stretching in the bottom, uh, top of the fifth, start throwing in the bottom of the fifth and then be in the game in the sixth and and you know i don't know if that's part of you know i don't want to turn this into the core of bashing hour but you know i mean there has to be some level of consistency so guys know when they're going to pitch and what they're going to be facing and what part of the lineup and you know because it doesn't have to be any it could be barnes you're facing the heart uh you know weber you're facing the bottom third you know, it's, so there's ways to do it. It doesn't have to be okay. Weber six, Brazier seventh, Workman eight, Barnes nine. It doesn't have to be the traditional approach, but it seems like it's just like they're flipping coins or something in the in the, in the dugout, and it makes it. If you think it makes it frustrating for us watching games, imagine the guys that are trying to get long-term deals and are trying to build st- st- statistics and you know t- game film. Uh, pitch charts that are going to get them paid. Right. You know, I, I guarantee it's frustrating to them. I guarantee it. And then the results aren't there and you start losing games. And then it's a snowball effect. I mean, everyone's fucking frustrating, including myself. 
Well, <laughs> hang on, though. Matt Barnes does have a defined role. He's going to face the heart of the order wherever that happens to be. You know, if the three, four, five guys come up in the, you know, in in the eighth inning, that's when he pitches. You know, if it's in the seventh, he might pitch there. If it's in the ninth, he's going to pitch the ninth. And, you know, it could be the one, two, three guys. If if the eighth inning is lining up to be the, you know, seven, eight, and nine, then, then that's how it's going to shake out. And, and you might see him come in early for a fourth out if if the inning starts to get away because he's very good with inherited runners but that that is the situation you're going to be and that's not a foreign thing Andrew Miller did that his entire tenure with the Indians and then Cody Allen was the was the closer even though he wasn't really the best guy that was Miller the uh, Diamondbacks have done it for two years now with Archie Bradley and the you know taking the high leverage and last year it was brad boxberger uh taking you know the ninth inning most of the time i think he did lose that job in the month of september but they were in first place for most of the year you know utilizing that type of uh you know tandem so i i think that's what you're gonna see until matt barnes i mean he's fallen off a cliff before so that's really gonna shake things up but you're gonna see him you're gonna see him used exactly as he has been and it's just whether or not brazier is good enough to keep the ninth maybe he's like boxberger and just completely loses it who knows maybe maybe walden comes into that inning which i would hate because he's really good in high leverage but um but I think Barnes does have a, a fairly defined role. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. I, I, it's one of the things I meant to double up on, and then I got talking about one thing and another, and I just didn't do it. But yeah, I mean, I guess that's the one guy I did highlight on. There's multiple ways to define roles. One is just give people innings, which is the traditional approach, and the other is give people a segment of the lineup um, and I agree that, you know, Barnes is getting the heart of the lineup. The only problem that we're seeing is that if you start that rule in the sixth, he's always going to pitch early, not late, um, when the leverage is the highest, despite the fact that it's still the same part of the lineup. So, yeah, I mean, I agree. And, and um, you know, but, but there still has – I don't care who you're facing in the ninth. It's still different. And if we had a second guy that we felt that comfortable with, I, I would feel differently about it. But we don't. I mean um, – and then, you know, for as much as you're – we're kind of neglecting Barnes's issues, I mean, Terry, you've been pretty um, poignant with your commentary about Barnes. So, I mean, look, the situation's not great. Um, they're they're gonna if they're gonna get back in this, this either has to correct itself, which I don't think is gonna happen to the level it needs to. I think they will get better, but not you know like deep World Series uh, run better. So you know there's got to be some something that changes, whether it be a trade from outside the system, use an expiring contract to get an expiring contract, or or something. I, you know I don't I don't really know what it's gonna be, and I don't think this is the podcast to really have that deep conversation, but. It's time that these things start getting addressed because where we are is just not good enough. And every time we build momentum, one portion of the of the roster or the other just kills it. And, you know, start, starting with Velasquez in game two and then some issues with 
uh, Brazier's consistency. I mean, it's just this is starting to get, you know, oh. every two podcasts is another week, and it's another week deeper in the season, and we're still complaining and worrying about the same thing. So, one of the things though that's as glaring as as who to use in the ninth is is Cora knowing when to pull the starter, and we've kind of touched on that in a bunch of different ways, but he needs to know when to not send people out you know and he he got greedy with porcello tried to get that extra inning he did it with erod you know while i was overseas and it almost happened again today with sale i just he gave up a leadoff double and i'm not saying it was a bad you know the bullpen was so taxed from yesterday so um i just I don't you know. should be able to get more than five innings out of your starter. So yeah, he was close to I think a hundred pitches at that point, if I'm not mistaken. But I don't know. Maybe today isn't the best example of it, but we have seen previous examples of him simply riding the starter a little bit longer than he should be, and that defies the load management theory that's been jammed down our throats, which you know is fine really i mean you gotta you know these guys shouldn't be going into the eighth inning with with leads i i don't feel like so um any i mean if you want to weigh in again that's fine yeah no i think we touched on it i mean i think we've seen a couple of things with core where we're you know again we're you know, why is he sending him back out? What is he doing? Yeah. Who knows? It's, um, it's the lack of the Midas touch, I guess. I meant to say in the opening, uh, Josh Smith has been optioned. That's the corresponding move for, for Price. And then Oscar Hernandez was brought up uh, in place of Leon. Uh, he was also optioned. Um, one I'll guy... be quite happy to never see Josh Smith again. <laughs> Bye. Yeah. <laughs> Um, one guy that's kind of made me happy, albeit in mop-up situations, <laughs> but... Kind of made you happy. Wow. <laughs> well, I'm Come just... On, I'm, I'm glad that was hilarious. Um, <laughs> Ryan Weber, I'm trying to get yeah. his innings pitched. Eight innings pitched, so two long relief appearances. He has given up only one earned run in that time frame, so that's a that's a 1.13 ERA. Uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see what he does going forward. Definitely a long way from you know anointing him to any type of uh, you know role, but that's interesting. Um, I one other thing here, I touched on Bradley, but how long are we going to let this go? <sighs> He's hitting. I don't a, know. A buck Jeremy 50. has this rickshaw ready to go trade him out. He's hitting about a buck. I 50. mean, I I I ethered him um, on Wednesday night to the point where stuff was like, okay, he's dead. Stop kicking the horse. <laughs> like, so wow. I was like, oh yeah, I did. I took that too far. We're moving on. But no, I mean, I, <laughs> I mean, I I ethered the guy for like I think it was the longest segment. I think it was like fifteen to eighteen minutes long, and I'm not kidding. It was it. I ethered the guy. It's it's just brutal. At this point. And I said, but I like him. <laughs> and then I criticized her for saying that. Yep. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I mean, he sucks. Steve Pierce got a hit today, was hitting a, a buck 
well, 1.09. He was hit, hitting a dollar nine. All right. And um, I don't know what that one hit does, but we got a guy in the minors hitting 370 right now in uh, 378 in his last 10 games. Lots of power. He had a three home run game not too long ago. Bobby Dahlbeck, you know, I don't know if he would get called up from from Double A. You know, maybe he needs a cup of coffee and um, you know, in Pawtucket, Mookie Betts was sent there briefly, but he was essentially major league ready from Double A forward. And I just, I think he's the guy. And I, Chatham has looked really good as well, but hasn't hit a home run yet hitting purely for contact. Dahlbeck hung around for a while in uh, in spring training and faced a little bit more uh, major league pitching. I'm just wondering, you know, you know, Pierce or Bradley have to be the odd man out, don't they, for a move like that? I would think Pierce more so than Bradley. I don't know how another third baseman in the system chases Bradley out of the lineup. I mean, I guess if if you're thinking um, he's the right stick instead of Pierce, I mean, and he's ready and willing to play first, which I assume he is because he hasn't made any money yet, and he obviously wants to get to the major leagues. Um, that makes sense. I don't know. I honestly don't know what you do with Bradley. I mean, what – what I would do is outright release his ass um, and then move. So Betts played center, I think, Saturday. To me, he's not the best. He, he's not the cleanest, like, tracker of baseballs as far as routes and everything else. I like Ben Benintendi there just as a more solid option uh, every day, Betts and right. And I also think that frees up JD to play more left where you can just get away with it. Like we did in the Manny era. Um, and then, you know, you left field can be figured out whether it be Dahlbach, whether it be Chavis or whatever may be the case. I think that's the way you handle it. But if it's going to be Dahlbach, uh, um, it seems like, but here's the thing. Do you really want to take one of your top prospects who's 23 years old and, "Quote unquote," you know, platoon him with Moreland. Well, one of the things that we've been able to avoid with Chavis is having his at bats taken away that would otherwise uh, promote his career in the minors, where you can just plug and play him and make sure he's getting the reps he needs. They've been able to do that with Chavis, so there hasn't been that whole like, are we are we curbing his growth sort of situation mm-hmm. with Dahlbach? Moreland's not going anywhere. He's been a very important piece to this team's moderate success. So I just don't know if you want to take a guy that's that level of a prospect and throw him in a platoon situation where he has no pedigree and no, uh, you know, no uh, background to really base on what he's going to do. Um, you know, that's just my two thoughts on it. Yeah, it's but, not- I, mean, I, I would, I would cut Bradley yesterday. So uh, let's be clear. <laughs> we can figure something out with Bradley. <laughs> It's an awkward fit. I mean, there's no denying that. Uh, more, uh, not Moreland. Um, Chavis was taking reps in the outfield last I knew, and given how quickly he took to play in second base, which granted is a little different from playing the outfield, but I, you know, it's something I would be willing to try. 
another thing as well, I think Moreland is probably more optimal as an 80 to 100 starts a year guy because he goes into these vicious slumps and you go back to the fifth inning of game one we had a chance against the Astros we had a chance to kind of tack on some runs there but JD swung at an awful pitch in the dirt that would have been ball four and then Moreland just came up and whiffed and I hate Moreland in the four hole I'd much rather have him lower in the lineup I, I think there's plenty of power to to slot into the middle of the order there, and it could be a righty-lefty situation. Devers is a lefty, so maybe you flip-flop those guys. But um, but I just I just think he, he, he would be less prone to slumps if he was utilized a little differently. And he's great off the bench as well. He's one of the best pinch hit guys in, in late innings, you know, in recent memory. You know, Johnny Gomes was, everybody loves to shit on him, but he was great that World Series year in that role. And I don't really remember anyone since then as good as Moreland. And he did it in the World Series in the Erod start and put the Red Sox back on top. So I might utilize him a little less and just put Dahlbeck at first if, if Pierce is the odd man out. And, you know, that would in turn, well, I guess that could keep Bradley out there, but it, it puts another bat that could be an impact in the lineup and go back to go back to the Chavis call up I thought he was a few weeks away his his recent you know his last week and a half in the minors didn't look great and 24 hours before he was called up they were saying yeah he needs more time but then Nunez went on the DL the next day and it kind of forced their hand to call him up but we were seven games under 500 with the day he got called up and then i think at our best we've been we've been three games above 500 and it all goes back to the the chavis call up the guy's been a lightning rod and i just think having these young guys it, it just really infuses a lot of energy in the team and I, I don't really, I know Moreland's been great in spots. I don't look at him as an impact guy. Definitely don't look at Bradley as an impact guy. So I don't care how the pieces fit. Uh, you know, if we can if we can put more offense in the lineup, I, I would certainly do it. Yeah, I think it'd be interesting to see if they brought someone up, but I don't know. I think... I think that's a lot of messing with the lineup and a lot of, I don't, I don't know. It's an interesting concept to me. I know that if I had my pick of who go, who we get rid of, it would be Pierce though. And I know, (laughs) I know where Jeremy stands on it as well. It'd be Bradley all day, but I still like Bradley's defense. Another thing that comes to mind is, you know, every a couple of times a week, JD can play left, like Jeremy said. And you know, if you're hell bent on getting Moreland's bat in the lineup, then you know he could play first or DH, and and you know somebody can DH to also get their bats in as well, whether that's Moreland, Chavis, Dahlbeck in that position, but. These guys have a way, these kids have a way of forcing themselves into lineups, and Dahlbeck's doing that right now. They do, but they also come with their own um, 
I don't know, their own level of danger, if you will, or their own level, like, look at Devers, you know, he's, he's up, and he's been up, and he plays, and he brings offense, but he, you know, everybody's pissed about the number of defensive errors he makes all the time, so, you know, they come with their own risk as well. Well, that's an excellent point. I don't think he's going to be a third baseman uh, maybe in 2020 forward. Um, you know, so that's a light, that's an eternity away, but that is that is frustrating. But he's been one of the more consistent bats in the lineup. I, I know he, well, he broke a 0 for 15 slump today, but, but for the most part has been solid. And the Red Sox, from a position player standpoint, have have been able to develop guys. I mean, the only high-end prospect that hasn't panned out in recent memory, and I say recent memory, probably going back to Ben Intendi in 2016, um, has been Sam Travis. And uh, I think they could have given him a bit, you know, um, you know, a bigger sample size, but they didn't. And we're not really paying for that now anyway. But, you know, Devers, for the most part, has panned out. You know, he's been a contributor. Ben Attendee's panned out. Chavis is absolutely raking right now. And um, it's a chance that I'd be willing to take. And if it doesn't work, then, then you option them and, you know, let them get a little more seasoning. Yeah, I think that I would think that Cora would want to have all his players back first and see what you know, get Brock back, get Price back, get Ivaldi back, and then see how we're how we're firing and who's you know, that gives him more options. And, you know, you could say Pedroya, but I specifically left him uh, out. Yeah. But that gives you more more options to see. You know, if you then you can sit Pierce and play Brock and sit Moreland and play Brock, sit Bradley, and it just gives you more options. And then you can see what moves you need to make. He, he DH'd today. This was his, they want to see if he'll, he can start three games in a row, and today was game two. Pedroia, I mean, in Pawtucket. And um, I, I hope if he plays tomorrow or whenever the next game is, um, I hope that doesn't mean he's getting called up. Like, I, I don't know what they mean by three games in a row. Like, the first set of three games in a row, then he gets called up. I don't know. Um, well, they they don't even say that he's doing that and then coming back. What they say is that he's he, he'll play three games in a row and then they'll evaluate. Like, what okay. does that even mean? Or who even cares what it means at this point? I think they thought, oh, no way will he start three games in a row. But I who <laughs> knows? I just, that's just... There's just no room for him, and I, I don't want to have an automatic out in the lineup that's not named Bradley or Pierce. So, um, any any thoughts on anything else before we get into the um, series preview? Nope. No, let's talk Jays. All right. So four game set starts tomorrow. It's a one o'clock game because of some holiday. Uh, pisses me off because I'll see about an hour of it. Um, David Price versus Edwin Jackson. Blue Jays just picked him up. He's had one start, went five innings, uh, gave up two earned runs. 
last year. Uh, pretty solid for Oakland in the second half. He had a uh, 3.33 ERA in 17 games started. So he gets the ball against Price. So, Jeremy, what do you expect for game one? And uh, what's your pick? Uh, there's, I don't know what to expect from um, Price. I really don't. I mean, five innings, two hits, 68 pitches, or two and two-thirds, 62 pitches, a touchdown. And, it, <laughs> you know, I mean, I honestly have no idea. Edwin Jackson's a veteran guy, um, been around forever. Um, I think, yeah, I think this is like his 14th franchise or some ridiculous thing. Yeah, that's exactly I think that, it. I think, I think I'm, I'm hopeful they'll hit tomorrow and it won't matter. The Blue Jays suck. Um, they're a, just a bunch of talentless hacks. They're not as bad as the <laughs> Orioles, but they, they stink. Um, I don't know if, like, tomorrow's Canada Day or something. Um, but um, so it, it, we're in the prediction game now, uh, and predicting baseball is really, really tough, like, more than, like, who's going to win or who's going to lose. But I guess I'm going to take – I think I'm going to take the Red Sox 10-6, to 6, <laughs> something like that. I, I think they'll hit Edwin Jackson. I don't think he's been pitching, so I don't think – I'm not expecting a real high level of um, – you know, he's not going to work deep in the game, and if his stuff's okay, I think you'll get, he'll get you five innings. But I think they're going to score runs off him, and the Blue Jays just really are not a good baseball team. Plus that that stadium, if you're if you if you can get the ball in the air, uh, you know you, you you can you can flip some uh, two or three home runs into a quick six six runs. So I, I think some runs are going to get scored tomorrow. And even if Price is good, I don't expect him to be great. So like I said, I think the you know I'd be happy with five innings, three earned, and you leave the game with the chance to win it. Stephanie, I I think uh, Price is going to come out firing on all cylinders. I think he's going to be ready to go, fired up, and going to pitch his ass off tomorrow. And I think we're going to win, and it's going to be fantastic. Our bats are going to show up. We're gonna, everything's going to click. Our offense is going to show up. We're not going to make stupid ass errors. Our pitching's going to show up. Our starting pitching, and even our bullpen. That's my prediction. My Pollyanna prediction of the day. Well, that's the tale of two drastically different predictions. I guess I'll uh, <laughs> I'll cop out and kind of wiggle into the middle of you guys if if that doesn't sound creepy. Um, I I'm just gonna take it for face value. I totally get Jeremy's concerns, and they're definitely valid. Um, I, I just he's had dominant numbers. They're not a good team. We don't know what we're going to get out of uh, Jackson. They don't. It's only a second start of the year. It is his 14th franchise, uh, which is an MLB record. I, Bartolo Colon must be up there. You know, he has. He's not on a team. I think he's 46 years old. But you know, so be it. Um, I'll just. I'm going to take the Red Sox tomorrow um, in Game One. So I, I think that's three of us in agreement on, on game one. Uh, game two, Eduardo Rodriguez versus uh, Marcus Stroman. Kind of an interesting matchup. 
Jeremy, who do you have in game two? Yeah, I mean, Strowman, um, Strowman's kind of the uh, exception to the trending baseball. He's a he's a changeup guy, and he'll he'll throw it in any count. Um, you know, he's got a two nine five ERA. Um, his he's one in six because the Blue Jays are that bad. Um, but you know, he can frustrate a lineup, and he can do it for a full seven. Um, so I, I, I again, and then you got Erod, who's been really good late um, lately. You know, the rough start. Uh, he's four and two with a four eight nine, with fifty six Ks. I do think this one will be, you know, four to three, three to four, one way or the other. Um, I'm, I think the Red Sox are going to win three of these games, so I'm going to take Erod in this game, uh, where I think that maybe the Red Sox beat the bullpen here um, and and hopefully win two in a row to start this to start the series. Stephanie. Yeah, I'm going to piggyback on what Jeremy said on this one. I think that Erod will pitch well. I think it'll be a close game, and I think we'll walk away with the win at the end of it. Uh, Strowman is pitching probably off to one of the best starts of his career, 2.95 ERA. Um, the The offense really hasn't been there for him. Um, I'm, I was just kind of looking at Vladimir Jr.'s numbers real quick. He's off to a fairly decent start, only hitting uh, 235, but he's uh, bashed four homers, driven in 10, and his OBP isn't terrible. He's getting on base at a 325 clip. So I've been kind of curious to see what kind of offense, you know, like maybe if there would be a Chavis effect type thing. Their rotation isn't great. But um, but Strowman has been uh, decent. Erod is better than you think uh, against them. And all four of his starts last year, uh, three runs or less. So I, I don't know. I didn't see how many innings they went. So how many officially how many quality starts he had. But he didn't get shelled one way or the other against them. And he has, you know... He, he was pitching better this year earlier on and, you know, had some blips. You know, they sent him out one inning too long uh, in his last start. But I I think I'm going to lean with the Red Sox on this one as well. Um, if they can catch some momentum tomorrow and then carry it into game two, that would um, help. But um, I, I like the Red Sox in the first two games of this series. Hey, Terry, do we have uh, Liz's predictions? Actually, I, uh, I'm a bad host, as we know, and uh, I did not grab <laughs> them. But um, And I told her I would reach out, but that's my bad. Um, I will get them, uh, and we'll go over them uh, as we you know, recap this in the next show. Um, a, a TBA versus TBA in Game 3, so I guess we won't really touch that. Um, I know Aaron Sanchez is having a blister issue, which basically took him out of the 2017 season um, from June on and just couldn't, uh, his hand wouldn't recover. We've seen that with uh, Edwin Santana. It's uh, been a problem for Rich Hill and apparently um, Aaron Sanchez, it's a recurring issue for him. 
Um, here's a shocker, though, before we get into Game 4. Clay Buckholtz was put on the DL today. So if anybody was dreaming about facing Clay Buckholtz this series, not going to happen. Um, Sanchez is up in the air, so I don't know if he if the blister issue is minor, whether he slots into any of those TBA starts. Um, I forget his first name, Baruki. He's like a start, spot starter. He's on the DL. So I guess what I'm getting at here is their rotation is, is pretty dinged up. Um, any thoughts on Porcello in game four? Well, Leon's back, right? He so will be. I expect, yeah, I expect Porcello to come out and pitch solid. I think he's um, he's had solid starts lately, and he's pitching well, and I think he'll continue to. Uh, Jeremy? Yeah, I mean, I, you, I mean, he was my hero tonight. Um, I really think he's found his groove. He pounds the strike zone. He moves in. He moves out. He's up. He's down. He, you know, he doesn't have elite stuff. No one, no one's suggesting he does. And I, what, and obviously the year he won the Cy Young Award is no, you know, the best example. But when he gets rolling, he'll he'll run a couple months together on you. And I think we're in the middle of seeing that. Um. The question I have for the series, uh, because I think with the way the Blue Jays are, um, I think you have a good chance to win on Thursday. Um, I, I just kind of wonder what's going to happen with Wednesday and who's going to pitch for the Red Sox. Yeah. Um, I don't under, I don't understand what in the fuck they're doing um, with this with this stuff. Um, they obviously knew Price wasn't going to pitch, and they you know they didn't announce uh starters till late so i don't know if i honestly have no idea and if it's because they truly don't know then they're an ass clown program and if they, if they do know then what what's with the fuckery i don't get it i really just don't so um well we'll see what, I, I i like the three games we've discussed although obviously thursday's a, a to be determined as far as the blue jays are concerned i do like our our, our chances especially if the bats come alive. And I, th I do think they're going to hit at the Rogers Center. Well, I think one of the reasons they might not, you know, want to tell who's starting is because, you know, the Jays haven't. And maybe they just don't – they're just trying to not let them get things lined up. And I'm only speculating in that. But, I mean, that, that could be one reason. Um, I, I'm assuming it's probably – go ahead. If they're sorry, if they're doing that with the nineteen and twenty-seven Toronto Blue Jays, <laughs> then, I mean, fuck us all because it's over. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, what? you're 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 really trying to outsmart the Blue. Like, just go out there, put your best guys out there, and win games. It's the Blue Jays. They're, you know, they're not the Marlins. They're not the Orioles. Um, but they're there. I mean, they 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 stink. So I just. You know, Terry, I'm not discounting that that could be a possibility, but if it is, um, what are you doing? Like, just go go, identify your best guys and go win the games. Who gives a shit, especially when it's the Blue Jays? You could be right. I mean, Velasquez does line up for that. That would be the fifth start, you know, since he pitched. But um, so it could be him. Maybe maybe they're as intrigued as I am about Ryan Weber. And, and he had terrible AAA numbers, so that could be 
an anomaly as well, but it, it could be a combination in there, but uh, unless they want to call up that Mike Shawarin guy, I just, it's got to be one of the two, I feel like, you know, for game three. Let, let me also say about Porcello, uh, his momentum is encouraging, and I, I guess I'm semi-optimistic about that start, but he did get absolutely fucking shelled last year. And his last two starts against them uh, gave up eight runs on four innings and one of them gave up seven uh, runs in his final start of the year against them. So um, that is in the back of my mind a little bit, but we'll uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, let's hope that doesn't happen again. <laughs> yeah, I, he was solid almost all the way through last year. He had a 420-something ERA. You take 15 runs off of that, I'm guessing he's a 373-80 guy, you know, at the end of the season. So those, those two games really hurt him a lot. And somewhere around the one of those starts, he completely shut the Yankees out with a nine-inning complete game. It would have been a no-hitter had he not given up a hit in the first at-bat to Gregorius, which was a solo home run. But um, it's just, it's a Blue Jays thing, I think. So, um, you know, hopefully hopefully that's behind him. He hasn't started against them this year. He didn't, he didn't pitch that series. And uh, also, I meant to mention earlier, Stroman has not gotten a start uh, against the Red Sox yet either. So... Uh, and there are some guys in the lineup with, with really strong numbers against him. Moreland, Vasquez, uh, Benintendi in particular. So, um, yeah. Uh, so, I, any, any final thoughts, I guess? I mean, we can wrap now if you guys want. I mean, my only final thought would be, you know, now's the time to go win three or, three or four or sweep this team and um, start to trend in the right direction. Um, the Yankees are going to get healthy, and it's scary because they're going to get better. And if that happens, um, you could be looking a month from now down ten games and really be playing for the wild card. So, I mean, you gotta you you can't fuck around with these bad teams. We in- split with the Orioles earlier uh, in the month or at the end of April. Like you got to win this series, and you, 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 you the split's not good enough. Anything less than that's a disaster. Um, so you know, I just it, you know, again, you said you guys said we have the Astros coming back up in the weekend. So it, it and that's in Houston, by the way. Right. So, <laughs> uh, for the love of you know, for the love of God, guys, can we go beat the shit out of this hapless sack of, sack of shit program and just? Uh, you know, win three or four games here. You know that, that and, and if it's not now, it's certainly not going to be in the Astros series. When's it going to happen? Because now we're talking another week into the season if they can't get it going here against the Jays. So that's my final thought. And that's it's a great point because after the Astros, we have Cleveland. Not sure what to expect. They're not quite the same team, but I suspect they're good enough to be dangerous. Got the Yankees uh, to close out the month. I'm not sure uh, how long that set is, but um, so this is a series where, like you said, you want to, you, you certainly want to start, you know, padding your record a little bit. 
Uh, it does help that we have Price back. And I guess I'll, I'll give the Yankees a little bit of credit, and there's no better time to do that than at the hour and 15-minute mark, you know, because <laughs> um, maybe not many people will hear it. But flip the scenario here and be like, take J.D. Martinez out of your lineup, take Mookie Betts out of it, get rid of Bogarts, put Sale on the DL, and then go lead the division. I mean, we're not winning with those guys. How the fuck are the Yankees doing it? And Stanton coming back doesn't scare me because he's going to strike out a ton and it's going to piss them off. And I I love having pissed off Yankee fans. And um, so that that doesn't bother me. But certainly when Judge comes back, that's going to be an impact. Gregorius probably uh, will also provide a, a big impact. That will probably slide LeMahieu, who has been like their MVP over to third, and uh, he and Gregorius is going to be back in the month of June, and uh, you know Severino's still a little far out, but geez, like how the hell? I wish we had that depth. You know what I mean? And um, so yeah, yeah, we have a uh, we have the prospect of Petey and Brock Holt coming back. Oh Woo! God! <laughs> I mean, I love Brock. So there's that. But uh, I'm done with him, too. I'm just going to say it. At the end of the season, I'm perfectly fine with uh, Zhu Wei Lin being the super utility guy. Um, and he's out with a knee sprain anyway. So, all right. Good show, I guys. Just to piggyback on what you guys were saying, I just want to start seeing some consistency. You know, it, it feels like I gave my Pollyanna view of the first game versus the Blue Jays, but I really mean it. We haven't had a game yet where everybody's hitting, you know, like our offense is on point. Our starting pitching's on point. It's like once we get one thing clicking, you know, we're plugging another leak. And I'd just like to see it all, all hitting at the right time. That's, I think we all think that's probably the best thing for the team. And no, you know, and show up for these games. None of these fucking defensive blunders that we saw you know we're, we're the defending champs let's let's at least pretend to be the defending champs <laughs> so all right good show guys i'll see uh you jeremy i think on thursday night and uh we'll we'll catch you uh in a week stephanie you got it have a great night. week guys that concludes episode 135 um dropped uh let's see what two out of three so we have the blue jays have a little bit of chance as we said to uh kind of gain a little bit of traction hopefully some momentum i did touch on earlier in the show that we should have david price and chris sale uh pitching next weekend in houston um trying to think let's see i don't know yeah porcello won't be available now oh erod so those will be the three that end up pitching it'll be sale price and erod probably friday saturday sunday so we at least line up real good for that so let's try to uh you know kind of gain some ground on the first and second place teams Uh, So everyone have a good start to your work week, and we'll uh, be back with you on Thursday night. Take care.
member of a Red Sox nation It's a kind of insanity Yeah, I live and die with Red Sox right for eternity I sleepwalk through